0: She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: The American economy is booming. In just over two years, businesses large and small have created 5.3 million new jobs, including over 480,000 good paying manufacturing jobs that the other side said would never come
2: back. Look, I think there's a technical description for what's going on, which is that Democrats have gone bat-crazy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a political science term of uh, art. Uh, if you look at the medical dictionary, it's, it's under B. Um, it, 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 it is, in fact, a psychosis. Look, look they have they're getting more and more and more extreme on on every issue the true goal of capitalism is to achieve liberty and justice for all and that is why the left doesn't like our pledge of allegiance that and god and now stacey washington
3: okay it's day two of cpac 2019 and i'm live here and we are also streaming to facebook so if you're watching you probably see a very handsome young man Someone that I usually talk to via the regular mode of communication, which is he calls in or our producer calls him, <laughs> but today he's live with me, and it's been such a pleasure to meet, live you, in from City, to meet he, you in person. Good to meet you. He is so fantastic. Who am I talking about? If you're listening on the radio, I'm sorry, you're probably like, who's she talking about? It's John Miller. He's from CRTV. He's a Washington correspondent, and his videos. Well, first of all, they're viral. Second of all, they're so. They're, they're like pithy, witty, funny, <laughs> concise, and he gives you so much information in such a short period of time, we and I love watching minutes, on Facebook. So we
4: try to do it under 10 minutes. Yes,
3: 10 minutes, and so this is such a pleasure to meet you, it's so so to good to be person. with you. You know what? I, so
4: I saw you yesterday. Yeah? I didn't realize how tall you were. I'm pretty tall. You know, on the radio, yeah. I see people, so... And,
3: well, and I sound like, I guess maybe I'm a shorter person, I don't know. <laughs> people always, they're like, oh, I've seen you on the live stream, and I'm like, well, all you can see is my shoulders right, and my right. head. It's like... Not it's not in perspective. So I'm super tall. I'm six feet two inches tall, and then I have on some cowgirl boots, which add a little bit Just of add lift. A little but bit of height. Not not much, but <laughs> the the big deal. Oh, okay. So the big deal is. What I want to talk to you about today is, obviously, we're here at CPAC. You've been doing a lot of interviews. You've been interfacing with people. What would you say the energy level is like here right now?
4: It's super high. It's always high at CPAC. There's no, like, low-energy CPAC. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, what, I just expounded so much energy because everyone's excited. Everyone's, you know, coming up to you, and everyone's trying to get your attention. Um, but it's great to see so many people so excited over things that we all believe in and, and, and values and ideas. And, you know, I just, I love CPAC because it's the only time of year you get to see this many people all interested in, in sharing these ideas. So it's exhausting because you open, you get home at the end of the day and you empty your pockets like a hundred business cards yeah. and you're like, who yeah. are all these people? But at the end of the day, they're doing it for the right reason. So I love it. The energy is great.
3: So let's talk a little bit about some of the speakers that we've heard. First of all, today was a big day. It was Candace Owens. Vice President Pence.
4: Yep, Glenn um, Beck spoke.
3: Yeah, and and Michelle Malkin, and it's just been fantastic. It, um, and so what? No, you have to leave that chair there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it, so when you talk about what you've seen and heard today, what was your big takeaway?
4: You know, I think my big take. You know, the the big issues that I think. Um, most people are talking about are A, socialism, mm-hmm. because we literally have socialists in our government. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the big issues that I see. And then uh, abortion. Last night they had the screening for the film mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's uh,
3: unplanned. unplanned, exactly. Yeah. Which I, I believe they're, the Motion Picture Association wants to give it an R rating. R-R,
4: right. So if Isn't you are, that crazy? It, R rating. So if you're a 17 year old, in most places you can go, you can get an abortion. Mm-hmm. But you can't see the movie, right? Which is just incredible.
3: Well, and thirteen-year-olds. I yeah, mean, Planned yeah. Parenthood of uh, the Rockies—they have mm-hmm, huge mm-hmm. scandal with them giving abortions to thirteen-year-olds who are brought in by their molesters. Uh, so they're it, they're all over the country. We have these stories about Planned Parenthood doing things with underage girls. But this movie somehow is too much for people to exactly.
4: see. Exactly. So that's incredible. And the other thing is, we're not even talking about abortion anymore. We're talking about babies outside the womb.
3: That, infanticide,
4: that, that, literal, literal infanticide. So you know, I'd love to have the abortion argument. Unfortunately now, and it's what they did in Nazi Germany, where mm-hmm. you know they say, well, this baby, we're doing it because uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not fit for living. Mm-hmm. And it's
3: it's really a weed. Scary. It's you know, it's yeah. someone that wouldn't have a good life. It's someone who might be poor, someone who might be in, in a disadvantaged group. I, I, so I'm wondering. So you're you're a millennial, obviously, mm-hmm. and you're in a generation right now that everyone's saying things about you guys. Everyone's talking about how millennials, you know, millennials don't like debt. Millennials have too much debt. Millennials are, you know, some of you are cutting edge. Some of you are, you know, you're like a sack of potatoes. You're crazy as a bag of cats. You're everything right now. And everyone's talking about you. What would you say the biggest issue is that's facing your generation that this is from you coming, not not so much media you, but from you, the person, John Miller. What is the issue that's facing you that you feel like um, maybe isn't addressed or maybe is being addressed by the Trump administration?
4: Uh, I think it's something that can't really be addressed by the Trump administration which is uh, you know debt mm. spending I mean the, the amount of debt that people are accruing uh, whether it's from college or otherwise mm-hmm. is, is incredible and just the idea of personal responsibility uh, not spending what you don't have unfortunately our politicians aren't exactly setting a good example mm. because they, uh, they, they don't seem to know how to do that either but that's not something that can be addressed by government that's not something I, I mean you know the Democrats want to do it yeah. know, the Democrats want to alleviate all of your student loan debt. Um, but really that's something that only the individual can do.
3: So what do you recommend to people? I, I mean, the, once you're out of college, it's really a matter of choices. Driving an older car, mm-hmm. buying a smaller condo or a smaller house, maybe living saving. with your parents yep. for a while and saving up before you get your first place. That's all common sense stuff. But for college, people are so aspirational and they've heard their whole lives, just go to college, go to the best college you can, get the best degree you can. And you're gonna get a good job and you're gonna make it. And so kids are going to school for socialism, women's studies, gender studies, basket weaving, (laughs) black studies. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you come from money, you can get a degree in basket weaving and you'll be fine. But if you're coming from a disadvantaged background and you're not getting a degree in STEM right now, which that's where the seven million jobs are uh, that are not being filled by Americans. What what do you recommend to college students? Anyone who's considering college right now, in the way of deciding between a Tulane or a state school, where the difference in tuition is thirty grand a year, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what are what do you say? I mean, we've
4: stigmatized trade schools and Mm -hmm. we've stigmatized you know blue collar jobs and working. I mean, they're making more money than the kids in debt right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, if colleges, if you want to be a doctor, uh, you got to go to college. You got to go to med school. Yeah. yeah. You want to be a lawyer, got to do it. Yeah. But you know, if you're looking to do other things that maybe don't require a degree, you know. You don't have to do college or, you know, you don't have to do the typical university. You can go to a trade school and and actually learn a skill that's useful that will get you an income that will get you a job. Um, My recommendation is you have to, you know, don't just go to college because you think you have to go to college. Mm -hmm. Consider what you want to do, where you think you want to go with your life, and then decide whether it makes sense to shell out all that money for college.
3: And considering the cheaper colleges because once you get your first job, the place you graduated from is not as important
4: and in fact, I remember when I was working, um, you know, in, in you know a larger corporation, the people with the expensive Ivy League degrees, uh, you know, and I went to Columbia, so I, you know, I'm, I'm sounding somewhat hypocritical here. Mm-hmm. They were the worst hires that we'd ever made. The, you know, the Harvard uh, people, they were terrible employees because they have no real world skills. Mm-hmm. They have no idea actually how to work. They feel that they're entitled to everything. So at a certain point, people, employers, just say, you know what, no, I, uh, I, I, I we don't need the Ivy League kids. They're entitled. They're terrible. Um, and it really doesn't matter where you go to school, at, like you said. Well,
3: and everyone can't go Ivy League. There just aren't enough slots for everyone <laughs> exactly, to go. Yeah. So there have to be jobs available for people who didn't right. go Ivy League. So uh, as we're closing out the interview here, I'm, I wanted to open it up to you to talk about whatever you wanted. There's been so much that's gone on, and even news-wise with the Cohen hearing and, uh, and, and the North smearing Korea. of the president. Yeah. Yes, and the, and that, how that developed out. What what did you take away from that?
4: You know, I thought it was fascinating because everyone, you know, Trump fails was trending on, on social he didn't fail. He didn't make a deal. It, it wasn't it wasn't a good deal. And it, people think that, you know, and especially in politics, you have to make a deal. You have to do it. And if they don't make a deal, nothing happened. That's been the political status quo for so long. Uh, it's like going to a car dealership. You know, they're offering you way above MSRP, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 7 percent interest, you know, and the car is barely going to work.
3: And it has eight thousand yeah. miles on it. It's supposed <laughs> right, right, to be brand new. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then
4: they're like, well, you walked away from the table. It's your loss. It's like, yeah. no, he walked away from a bad deal. It, you know they didn't want to get rid of the uh, the, the um, missile sites and the nuclear testing sites out of a certain zone trump said okay well, if you don't want to do that i'm walking away he went mm-hmm. home i think that that is good you don't want to just he you know he still obama... has
3: sanctions that he yeah. that he can use i right. mean uh...
4: and that was what happened to obama obama signed the iran nuclear deal Yeah. terrible deal but he was he just wanted to do it so he could say they hey we made Look, a, deal. Got a deal yeah. exactly yeah
3: yeah I think there's something to be said for, we, the car analogy is fantastic, but there's something else to be said, and that is that we have over 2 million Americans living in the region who were under threat of these rocket tests, you know, mm-hmm. these crappy rockets that could actually drop out of the sky and kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And now we haven't had a missile test in hundreds of days. So in the, on, on, on the measure, I think the president is accomplishing his primary goal, which is to stop the testing. And the, and the conversation is still ongoing. Yeah, so. and, and
4: people forget that. People forget where we were with North Korea right. you know, just a, a year and a half ago. I mean, they forget, and the fact that the, the nuclear threat is not there, which, you know, is progress. That's it, progress. It's enough. progress.
3: I, I'll take it. I'll take uh, it. You know,
4: I yeah. like knowing, you know, remember when there was that uh, that false alarm in Hawaii mm-hmm. where, where they thought they were going to get hit with a nuke any moment? I'm glad we're not living in those times anymore. So.
3: I, I agree, John. John Miller, CRTV, thank you. It's, it's, it's been, been be such a pleasure you, to, to meet you and yep. to have you on the show again. I appreciate it. We'll talk it. to you again soon. Thank you. All right. So we have like three minutes left to this segment, and I wanted to cover a little bit of news, but I had. To have John on right away, and then we are going to have um, another guest. Oh, I see. Inez Stepman is already here, so we're going to have Inez her come. is the
4: best, isn't she? She's the best. She's
3: like we—we we were just talking about how she's. Right, gonna I know have I was a supposed conference. to be gone by now. <laughs> well, it's fine. You can hand, come, come to me, come to me. You can. Oh, look, I see other people as well. Um, you can put that headphone on and say hello to the listeners, Inez Stepman of Independent Women's Forum. Let me turn your microphone up. There we go. Look who I have on with me all at the same time. I'm John Miller, Inez Stepman. I'm such, like, I'm, I'm so special. This is the so part special. about CPAC,
4: you can literally just pull I'm, people. I'm
5: special now, I'm special,
3: look at me. Um, so say hi, Inez, and tell us what you're doing at Independent Women Forum.
5: Sure, um, Independent Women's Forum is a great organization. Uh, our underlying message is that all women's all issues are women's issues. Mm-hmm. right? We don't want to put women in a, a very small box about a uh, laundry list of progressive priorities, Obviously, women care about the economy, they care about education, they care about foreign policy. Like, turns out that women are just people. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah. You know, like the left breathing of humans. Bl- yeah. Mm-hmm. I, different opinions. Oh, I don't know
3: what we're going to do. <laughs> now that we're humans, <laughs> I feel like I can't weigh those conversations. Like, <laughs>
5: <"No, no>, I'm <laughs> well, in. It's sure. crazy.
4: Women care yeah. about all the same things oh, that we care about. It's, it's like, crazy.
3: <laughs> why are we doing that? Why do we care about the same stuff as men? <laughs> how can we stop?
5: <laughs> well, that and we have better shoes. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I don't know. We have good
3: sneakers. Jordans are not bad. Well, their shoes don't hurt. I don't know if we can win that argument. There you go. Yeah. I Our shoes know. may look it, better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's going on over here? So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, the women's, 50 women. What, what is the hashtag we're a part of for independent women's forum? Uh, we're doing champion women. Champion women. Yes. I'm a champion women, uh, okay. woman. And I, don't even know the hashtag but I have been tweeting on it so what are we doing with that
5: um, we're actually gonna have a great conference in early June um, where we're inviting everybody to come out and meet a bunch of women with different perspectives uh, who have done different things in life and and just Trying to push back against this narrative that women are victims in 2019 is just so ridiculous. I mean, women in America have more choices, more freedom, more opportunity than any women in the history of humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, there's this persistent narrative about female victimhood in 2019. um, And it's just, it's quite ridiculous. Um, And then, my work at IWF, I focus on education, school choice, um, and I think that's also going to be part of this conference. We're going to be talking about, among many, many other issues, as I said, all issues, right? Um, But we're going to be talking about school choice, we're going to be talking about making sure that families have educational options, um, and, yeah, just like, big party of women who are not victims, and
3: more. So, let's, let's, let's get there. Independent Women's Forum, right, this is a huge organization. But then you start talking about school choice a, as an issue and how women in on, on the measure in the United States, we're the women who have it the very best. We're at the tip of the spear for almost every metric when it comes to college, matriculation, uh, achievements in the workplace, the ability to do what you want. In other words, go get a degree, have a family, then come back and have a career. This is the place to get that done. What do you say to women who are kind of carrying the victim of mantlehood? They've, they've bought into this idea that we're victims here in America when it's the opposite. What do you say to them? Like, what's your first opening salvo to a woman who's parroting that?
5: Look, that it's ridiculous if you look at the facts, right? Um, women own the majority, more than half are on their way to owning two-thirds of the wealth in America. Um, <laughs> it's really funny to say that women are victims. Uh-oh. We earn the majority of degrees, both uh, bachelor's degrees and gradu- graduate degrees, law degrees, right? Um, we, I mean, this is just silly. This is silly um, to look at this, the facts, underlying facts, and say that women are somehow held back in America. If anything, we have overdone the girl power message, and we've forgotten about men and boys in this country. Um, and, All right, and we're gonna we're gonna stop right there.
3: We'll be back with you after the messages, but this is a time where you can actually refresh your coffee and listen to the fantastic things that happen over the break, and then we'll be back with more. Stacy on the ride after this. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's Medishare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. Medishare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to Medishare.
6: Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. Medishare. Call star star three four five. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star three
2: four five.
0: Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with a Legacy Moment. Have you ever thought about the number of things that are beneficial to us, but if used the wrong way, can do us great harm? Medicine, for example, if you take the proper dosage of medicine and it's the right stuff, often it can make you feel better. However, if you take the wrong dose, it can be fatal. There are certain foods that, if prepared the wrong way, can make you sick. You get the picture. Well, the same principles apply in terms of our life stewardship and the spiritual aspects of our life. Listen to these sobering words in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Do you see the relationship there? It's all in how you approach the Word. Again, the one who despises the Word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. There are three perspectives. Number one, don't despise the Word. Don't take it for granted. When we take the Word of God for granted, when we don't spend time in it, we drift away from it, and in actuality, we can be despising God's truth. Second, we'll be judged by what we despise. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it. We'll be judged by what we despise. Then number three, we'll be honored and rewarded by submitting to his truth. Read the instructions. Do what it says. It's for your life. It's for your benefit. It's for your good. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Don't be casual with the word of God. Our life and our future depend on how we handle God's word. Let's handle
2: it like we would a bottle of medicine with care. You've been listening to Legacy Moment with Crawford Loritz, pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, and heard on the weekly program, Living a Legacy. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio
0: and Urban Family Talk.
5: Never talks about policies because their policies have failed black America. For the last sixty years. The truth is that the left and the Democrats never ever 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 want to fix Black America because they stump on our issues year after year. If they didn't if they fixed our issues, they would have nothing to stump on or to talk about. They wouldn't be able to just continually keep calling the other side racist. They want black America to stay broken. They don't want us to ever have opportunities. They want to continue to give us handouts and not hand-ups.
3: Welcome back to the program. Find out more at afr.net, urbanfamilytalk.com, stacyontheright.com, and you can always watch the live stream at the Stacey on the Right Show on Facebook, or go to at Stacey on the Right on Twitter and Instagram, and you'll find me there as well. Right now we're chatting a little bit more with Inez Stepman. She's with Independent Women's Forum, and it's one of my favorite organizations because they kick butt, take no names, they don't have time for that, and they have all of the issues that I care about the most are a part of their wheelhouse where they have experts, which Inez Statman is an expert in this current area we're discussing, which is school choice. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what is right now cutting edge with school choice. Obviously, school choice week just passed. I thought it was fantastic. It was just like a big party across the country of people celebrating the the right to use whatever option they want. I thought it was fantastic. So what are we looking forward to this year with school choice and the movement?
5: Absolutely. So I think the the most sort of the new kid on the block uh, in terms of educational choice options is education savings accounts. Um, they're in six states right now, but really Arizona and Florida are out ahead in terms of numbers of students. Um, but this is kind of a, a, a advancement on the voucher concept, right? Um, a voucher is kind of like a coupon. You can take a portion of the money the state would spend on your child. We give you the power. Uh, to take that money elsewhere to a a school that might suit your child's needs better, that might suit your values better, uh, for any number of reasons why that traditional public school is not working for you. But with an education savings account, it moves it from school choice into the realm of educational choice, right? Because we allow a parent to break down that money so you might have tutors come in mm. to your home, you might have educational therapists if your child has special needs, um, you might have educational therapists come into your home or be able to send your kid to um, specialized therapy. Or you might be you know, enthralled with one particular teacher in one particular class in a charter school down the road, you might enroll your kid in math there and then teach, teach him literature at home. Mm. Um, it really allows parents to customize a completely um, individualized education for their kid, which is wonderful, um, but we're definitely facing a certain amount of stalling and blowback right now um, as it's becoming identified as sort of a national issue with Betsy DeVos and everything else, um, and it's been difficult to, to pass additional programs in the states, and in fact, some of the programs that we have passed have been under fire in Wisconsin and elsewhere. Did we not just see something of a
3: the blowback you're discussing in Virginia, West Virginia, West Virginia where they just yeah. had the teacher strike to prevent basically charter schools from coming in?
5: Absolutely, charter schools and what I just mentioned, education savings accounts. Um, there was a program proposed specifically for uh, kids who have special needs, and and education savings accounts are a perfect fit with that community because, I mean, even more, every kid needs a specialized education, but kids who have special needs or special challenges have. Even more so, need like in that individualized education, and a lot of times the public schools are really not providing that. They have an IEP, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but they're just the schools are not following the IEPs because they have no real incentive to do so. Um, but so that program went down in flames in the Virginia legislature because of the opposition from the teachers unions, um, and and this is actually where I think I think that uh, President Trump could be enormously helpful if he if he would put it on his rotation. He's said many times how much he supports school choice, but if he were to go to some of these states, um, and these decisions do belong in the states, but if he were to go to some of these states like West Virginia, which he won by a landslide, mm-hmm. and say to the Republican legislature, "Hey, guys." Um, You know school choice is a priority it's something that's really important for us as conservatives Uh, that would really set an amazing tone I think in West Virginia at one of the rallies even
3: because I I went to his rally in Columbia and it's amazing how he can literally say from the podium at a rally that he cares about something and all of a sudden that you know I don't know 10 15,000 people they're talking about that over the next few weeks and it becomes something that people are aware of and are it's all of a sudden it's an issue Uh, I I agree with you on that. And at Project 21, we have a 57-point plan, which includes a whole block of suggestions and policy recommendations on school choice, because we feel like it's a huge issue, not just for the black community, but for Americans writ large. Everyone has a stake in school choice.
5: Absolutely. So, you know, unfortunately the black community is one of the least well served by our current system which is why school choice is so urgent but as you said this is something that should be an option for everybody Um, I mean even if a public school for example in the suburbs is not Uh, terrible, right? It's not atrocious. That doesn't mean it's working for every kid. That's right. Um, It doesn't mean that, you know, a a mom is confused about what to do when her kid is bullied and she can't get, um, you know, the administration to do anything about it or a thousand other reasons. I mean, frankly, like our public schools no longer teach um, you know values that are in accordance with at least half of America, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to teaching about American history or it comes to teaching about you know morality. Um, and parents, all all types types of parents, all across America, need to be empowered with this kind of choice for their kids. This is not a specialized issue. I think sometimes we, we make a mistake of making this sort of just about the worst schools. That's absolutely what it's about, giving people an option out. But it's also about creating. A truly excellent education for everybody a truly individualized education for everybody it's not just about fixing the the worst schools but about actually lifting up all of our kids
3: fantastic well we are going to talk about this more you will come back on the show when we are not at cpac in the future probably pretty soon and as it was a pleasure to meet you in person and thank you for coming on
5: likewise pleasure to meet you and thanks for having me oh
3: absolutely that's an Stepman from independent women's forum and I love meeting people in person when we get to just kind of look at each other's face. Now, whenever we are on together, also I know her. Like, we met and we hung out. So, um, that was fantastic. Now, this is CPAC, so everything's moving super fast. Um, and so, I'm switching the camera around a little bit. And I'm going to try to get it so that my head is not the main event here. Let me get this over here. I'm live streaming to Facebook via this little phone with my nice little cracked screen that I cracked at the MGM, like, yesterday. Um but we are now joined by Dan Gaynor of Media Research Center. So this, the, here's, here's the backstory. Dan Gaynor and I have been emailing each other and communicating and just really interfacing for years now. So it's my first time meeting you, let me shake your hand. And so you do some of the most amazing work. You write for Fox News Opinion, but you also have Media Research Center and everyone already knows you because you've been on the program. So what are we talking about today? I'm just lobbing it over to you. Uh oh! Wait a minute. I think we're not. Uh, there we go. Tell, ah, tell us that one
1: more time. Oh, no, it's easy. We're talking. <laughs> I was going to say that I'm never that quiet. <laughs> so what we're talking about is censorship of conservatives online, because that is where the battle is. The Media Research Center goes where the fight is, and we're we are fighting for conservatives to actually maintain some ability to function in the new world, and so. A couple of years ago, I started bugging my boss, Brent Bozell, that said, this is the new battle. And uh, like all things that my boss does, if you convince him, you get stuck with it. And so, uh, you know, he said, OK, do more research for me. Do more. And then, oh, do a big special report for us. And our report came out last year, almost about this time, just as Congress was holding hearings on it. And then we, we moved from what we called the censorship project to launching Emerson Tech Watch, which I'm oh, in charge of. Nice. And I can tell you, since that time, it's not just that we're more aware of it. The problem's getting worse. We've gone from just you know, people who are on Twitter or Facebook having problems. We've, we tallied 113 fairly prominent conservatives or people who are willing to think outside the box a little bit who have been silenced in some way on Twitter? Well, now the battle is going to companies actually trying to restrict our finances, and that's Chase Bank, which is one of the banks that went after people for guns. You know, where they wouldn't process gun transactions. Now going after conservatives online, and the the next up, then you've got um, Patreon, which we all. Call Patreon,
3: <laughs> Uh which, which I just joined mm-hmm. like uh, maybe six months ago, but I've never done anything with uh, it. Well, that's, which so, is good because apparently, if I did, they just shut me down.
1: Well, Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin are moving moving off of that. PayPal is now a problem. We find PayPal is working with the Southern Poverty Law Center, which would basically means they're working with a hate group that despises Themselves. conservatives. Themselves, yes. And uh, and so you know, this is an <laughs> ongoing problem where we've got to make sure that we are not silenced online because if we're silenced online, we'll be silenced offline.
3: So let's, let's kind of make this a little more real. When you say PayPal, like, so for me, just speaking from my own personal experience, Dan, I use PayPal for a lot of different things. And it's convenient because PayPal has over the years built themselves from a little obscure payment system that everybody was like, "That's not, I don't take that. Now it's universally taken. In fact, some of the mainstream retailers, when you go there, it, it says, we also take PayPal or there's a button there. So you know, you know, if you go there, it's actually faster to check out. You don't have to type anything in. How do we fight back against something that's that ubiquitous? Do we fight them or do we find an alternative? What's, what's well, the answer? Well,
1: it's both okay. and that's, that's the free market answer. Okay. You, know, you fight them because who wants to deal with a company that is going to be bigoted against you? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you create alternatives the danger of just creating alternatives for facebook for google or something like that is that conservative media is going to end up in a in a ghetto and that won't work out well for us we'll be isolated from pop culture we'll be isolated from convincing new people we'll be simply speaking to the choir and that's really dangerous in places like twitter mm. so i support the you know the idea of people going on gab i have a gab account mm, people want to do that but the reality is all the politicians, all the big money, all the big journalists, and all the pundits are on Twitter. And uh, you know, it may all fall apart, but right now that's where they are. So conservatives have to be there, which would mean we gotta be fight them, kicking and screaming to take us off. Unfortunately, now Facebook's working with France. To talk about restricting content, the head of the UN is talking about uh, restricting hate speech globally, which means basically speech that the UN doesn't like, and that is flat-out regulatory involvement in our speech, which uh, you know that's going to run up against the First Amendment, whether they like it or not. Because mm-hmm. honestly, God, I don't give a damn what the, with the what the UN wants.
3: Well, and. Really, we if we were to ever pull out of the U.N., it would cease to exist because we're the majority funder. And they have been given land in New York, which we could easily just confiscate back. So they should really pay more attention to what we want. Um, I, I love the work that you're doing, and I appreciate it because otherwise, how would we know? It's, it's one thing to be like I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot. I go on there. I read the stories. So it's, I, it's one thing for me to see it. It's another thing to have you aggregating it and telling us about every instance and making sure that we understand how pervasive it is, which is why the work that you do at Media Research Center is so important. Dan Gaynor, thank you so much for joining us today. Well,
1: it's a pleasure to see you in person. Yes, it was nice
3: to meet you. We'll talk again soon, at least once a month about your your latest issue on TechWatch, but absolutely. I'd
1: love that. Thank you very much. Thank you, you, Dan. Enjoy CPAC.
3: Oh, thank you. So we're gonna have Jeff Reynolds come over. He has written a book. Um, and I, I'm excited about this because I love when people share, um, what they've written. Now I've got to switch my little camera around here again. Um, Jeff, you can pop that headphone on and I'm going to turn your microphone up. Um, let's see. He's on the turquoise microphone down with a green. Okay. Um, say hello to everybody. Jeff Reynolds.
7: Hello to everybody.
3: All right. So, what I what I want to talk about is your book. First of all, what is the title of your book? Um, tell tell us about what you've written.
7: Yeah. So, it's called Behind the Curtain: Inside the Network of Progressive Billionaires and Their Campaign to Undermine Democracy. And what I cover is all of the billionaires that are found uh, that are funding all these foundations that are spreading money all over the place to uh, uh, push a radical progressive agenda that undermines the U.S. Constitution. And so, uh, the what is so, what really blew me away when I was doing this book was just how much money there is. It's, it's amazing.
3: So, when you were getting the book together and kind yeah. of researching it and everything, that was the most shocking part. What else did you find out where you're thinking this can't be true, but it, it actually was because you you found it yourself in your research.
7: Well, it, it's uh, it, some of it is just how naked they are about their flaunting the rules. You know, um, David Brock has a current uh, FCC or sorry FEC uh, complaint against him uh, for media matters where. They have 14 different organizations living in the same set of suites on K Street in Washington, D.C., uh, Media Matters, American 21st Century, Bridge Pack, all of these things that are set up to take down Republicans. And all of these other organizations are paying rent to Media Matters, but they're not reporting it on their uh, IRS forms as income. So, and they all live together and they all uh, share employees, and, and it's a much more complex uh, FEC complaint. But
3: Do you have the book with you? Because you can hold it up maybe for the people on the You
7: know what? I gave my uh, last, last one <laughs> away. <laughs>
3: that, but that's a, that's a good sign, everybody. I actually got to see and hold the book yesterday and flip through it and, and kind of read, just skim a little bit of the content. It's a fantastic book. Oh, perfect. I, I've got Behind my information the curtain, sheet. Jeff yeah. Reynolds. And if you're listening to the show, we're speaking to Jeff Reynolds. Behind the Curtain is the name of his book. Inside the Network of Progressive Billionaires and Their Campaign to Undermine Democracy. It's a hardcover. It's actually out now. It's just been out for two days. Yeah, it came out and Tuesday. You can get a copy of this on Amazon.
7: Yep, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Simon & Schuster. Uh, all the, and, and you should be able to find it in retail stores. If you're here at CPAC, it's downstairs in the book club.
3: Oh, yeah. So they have a hub downstairs where yep. you can actually um, pick up some of the books that are that are being Um, you know, debuting here at CPAC. So very, very wonderful. like, I want to say congratulations for for launching it here.
7: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of amazed at uh, where I've come from to where I'm at now. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was so difficult to organize all of that information into something coherent, you know? So uh, it took a while, but I'm I'm very proud of what I've come up with.
3: Well, I'm, I want to say congratulations. I know how hard it is. And you and I actually spent some time offline just talking about it, how you were able to do it. And I, I love hearing that. Like the, that. Cause so Jeff is a writer, he's yep. a blogger. He's, he's I'm and, just a blogger. Well, but <laughs> I, you know, blogging is, is writing. You have to put a lot into that. And so he's been doing that for years. And then to have this, to be able to have a book come out of all of that and to do the research, yep. it's something amazing. And, and, we can't discount how many of your hours went into that to bring it to fruition. I don't think I can count all the hours. <laughs> but it's worth it. Now you've yep. got a book. You put, you're pushing it out here at CPAC, which is fantastic. Yep. Um, I wanted to say thanks. It was such a pleasure to meet you in person. Yes, yes. And We've I, known
7: each other forever, I right? I mean, <laughs> years,
3: years. We've, I think I've known Jeff since CPAC 2012, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. And we, yeah. we really we go back and forth on, on email, but this is so wonderful to see you. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again on the show. All right. Good luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic bestseller. Absolutely. In spite of whatever they say. (laughs) Um, And we'll talk again soon. This is Stacey Washington, live from CPAC 2019. We'll be back with more in just a few minutes. Stay there. What does it take to be a sports success and a team player? Here's Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment.
6: Hall of Famer Sammy Ball left his mark on football forever. When he played, he was not only the best quarterback in the league, he was the best defensive back and the best punter in the league. When his career began in 1937, the forward pass was a last resort. But by the time Sammy retired 16 seasons later, passing the ball as a primary weapon on offense was the norm. He led the league in passing for six seasons, He still holds the record for highest punting average in a season to this day. Ball loved the game of football. He played to the best of his ability, not for money or for fame, but because he had the uncommon heart of a champion.
3: Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com.
0: Abraham Hamilton III.
8: Don't you realize, when you see some of the
0: inner workings of the cell, with each component having its role to play, when you have soldiers and you have operators, you have little machines that are working, if the Lord would do that with something as micro and as undetectable by the natural eye as the cell, how much more will he provide for you? The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com.
6: I love AFR. You say it's on the radio, too? Here at
8: American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku.
6: I just love the podcasts.
8: That, too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now available wherever you are. And we're on the radio.
0: America's election headquarters. In
4: 2000 and 2016, the Democratic presidential candidate won the popular vote, but the Republican won the electoral college and became president. Some Democrats want to change the rules.
3: Democracy hangs on the idea that whoever gets the most votes wins.
2: We might want to take a look at the whole electoral college.
5: I think it needs to be Uh, Eliminated.
4: A dozen states are moving toward an agreement where their electoral votes would go to the candidate who wins the national popular vote, no matter the electoral college count. Colorado's governor says
2: he'll sign this legislation. Republican Colorado Senator Cory Gardner tells Fox News he's opposed. This is outrageous what they're doing to silence the votes in a state like Colorado. This is giving away our electoral process and our votes. The rule change would take effect if enough states approve it, adding up to 270 electoral votes, the amount needed to be
8: elected president. Steve Rappaport, Fox News.
0: You can download episodes of Stacey of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Welcome back to the program. It's Stacey Washington. We're live from CPAC 2019 on Media Row. And, and now I have something unexpected for you. It's Jesse Kelly. So, you might know him from his work. He's, he's a veteran. I mean... He's got a lot of accomplishments under his belt, but mainly he's just unreal. That, I, and I want him to change the name of his show on America's Voice to Unreal with Jesse Kelly. And I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to take my idea and he's going to use it. And because it comes from a woman, it's going to be all the more awesome to see him convert his show from what it is now to what I've told him. It, it would be best. Oh, wait. Am there, you
6: go. there we go. No, but see, so you're missing it. I'm going to take your idea. Yeah. I'm gonna use your idea. Okay. But because it came from a woman, yeah. I'm gonna take all the credit for it anyway. <laughs> and even like when you bring it up, like a year from now, even though this is on the radio and be like, what are you talking about, a- Stacey? I came up with that all like, on oh. That was
3: my idea. Yeah. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, okay, so I I mean, that could happen and what would I be able to do? Nothing. I would just keep I would keep making fun of you and probably keep having you on the show. So first of all, let's talk about what's going on in America's voice. When we last spoke, I think, because it's been a few months, you had quite a few adventures. You were booted off Twitter, and then the backlash from conservative America was so epic, so fierce, so like a tsunami of angst and anger and rage. You were reinstated summarily.
6: I've never seen anything like that in Fantastic. my life. I, I was trending number one nationwide yeah. on Twitter. He's kind of popular, you Well, to be honest, I mean, as much as I like to be cocky about it, it really blew me away, to be honest. Yeah, I had no idea that it would anger people that
3: much. I didn't even know what I got booted for. I, I no, didn't. Yeah, he no was booted idea. for nothing, by the way. <laughs> he literally just tweeted something benign, which is not his normal tw- Twitter method. He's usually pretty incendiary. He tweeted something very benign and was booted off summarily without even a. They didn't even give you a notice. They didn't no. even send you an email.
6: No, nothing. And, and then, and then we had U.S. senators jumping in, like mm-hmm. threatening to subpoena Twitter mm-hmm. over yeah. the whole thing, and finally they just turned the lights back on, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and which is they, Funny, Basically, they, they just gave that. him his
3: Twitter account back without even telling him why. They're like, we, did, we suspended you, but we didn't know why, so we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to turn this thing back on. Let's forget about this Some whole Some minion flipped a switch. His Twitter was back on. Now, there was that. And then afterwards, a, a lot of media, a lot of cool stuff, which you were already doing. But now you have a show on America's Voice, which America's Voice happens to carry this program, the live stream, live every day. Um, tell us about that. What what are you doing over there?
6: I'm doing America's Voice News. Myself and my co-host Amanda Head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm obviously the star, but she's frankly the looks of the show.
3: She's pretty good looking. She is
6: that. She's she cute. Is that, no, she's awesome. Amanda yeah. Head is absolutely awesome. Yeah, I recommend really- her. Follow her on social media. But we do one to three o'clock p.m. Eastern. They're every the lead day. into me. It's yeah, it. exactly right. They we're, lead into me. We're trying to warm the crowd up for Stacey. Right. But it's a two-hour news show with commentary. It's <laughs> not just you know here are the headlines of the day and it, it, like. We actually provide commentary, and we try to provide some laughs. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're providing laughs.
3: <laughs>, so, laughs. So how long has this been going on? When did you come over?
6: I've only been on like a week and a half. I mean, obviously, this I'm taking new. the station by storm. Oh, yeah. And, and, He'll be nobody, running it soon. So nobody's surprised. He'll I be mean, our overlord. I'm already printing out business cards that I'm, say CEO. I'm
3: afraid and that he's going to be like, next, well, we might cancel you. And then I'll be like like heck you will, and then I will rise up against him, and senators will tweet him, how dare you, and then he'll remember who he's talking to. Let's be
6: honest, nobody's replacing Stacey.
3: No, not at all. So, all right, so let's talk just uh, quickly about CPAC. Um, It's it's pretty interesting, because you've got a a huge booth with America's Voice. You've had a chance to interview some pretty big names. What would you say the biggest thing that people are talking about here at CPAC has been?
6: You know, to be honest with you, and this is going to sound pandering because you're black, but everybody talks about the diversity this I'm year black. at CPAC about, about about how it's more than they've ever seen before. Don't and, tell my husband. And I didn't. I didn't. Don't I guess it's kids. not something I noticed because I've been to <laughs> CPAC two or three times. Yeah. But people are noticing big time that there is uh, there's more diversity
3: here. Than I, I, I noticed just, it too. Yeah. I, I to be quite honest, I mentioned it on an interview when I was being interviewed. I mentioned that there's quite a lot of. of Really, there's a lot of people with a permanent tan running around, and they're all wearing Make America Great oh, yeah. Again hats. <laughs> uh, there was a Jewish
6: guy with a Make America Great Again yarmulke on his head. <laughs> I love that.
3: It was great. I love yeah. that. So you can only see that at CPAC. And I don't think when you go to Netroots, you see a ton of people there who are like not of the left persuasion. But I have seen quite a few Democrats here kind of moving through, interviewing people, having a good time as well. So we at least permit that. We're not like exclusionary here, which I think is important. So how can people find you? How can they find your much-ballyhooed Twitter account, which is now <laughs> Teflon? You'll never get suspended. Uh, probably
6: untouchable. You could
3: t- tweet out that you're a man and that there are only two genders and still keep your account. Well,
6: hold on. We can't say radical things like that. I mean, that's that's, that's dropping a stick of dynamite for fishing.
3: I like but I like to do find the me
6: weapons. on Twitter at Jesse Kelly DC or just all my stuff is at I am Jesse I have links for everything there and if you guys like want to send money or something that's awesome too
3: okay for people who don't know this our listening audience is just loaded up with cash that's how I stay on the radio so I don't <laughs> want you horning in on my action Jesse Kelly no, don't send money I'm only kidding only send compliments <laughs> like Jesse you're so
6: great and things like that Jesse
3: uh, you're you know. unreal well, yeah. you know remind him that I gave him that all right Jesse Kelly thank you for joining Love it's you, good Stacy. to me Meet you. Yeah. I love you. I'll see you around. All right. I'll see you around. So our next guest. I'm. So this. This is what's fun about CPAC. I get to do this. Like. I could do this all day. I could do a four-hour show from here because there's that many wonderful guests. And our next guest is. Just put those on. Those headphones there. Um. And I'm going to turn your microphone up here. Um. So our next guest is. This is wonderful. From Hillsdale College. The topic of his piece at Townhall.com is why do millennials want socialism? We're speaking with Burton Folsom, Jr. He's a distinguished fellow at Hillsdale College, and his articles have appeared in The Wall Street Journal, American Spectator, National Review, and many other publications. Now, I'm gonna turn our little live stream camera around so people can see you. I am so excited to talk about this because, well, for one thing, one of the best moments I've had in the past few weeks is when the president said on the well of the House during his State of the Union speech that we will never, ever be a socialist country. That was, to me, like a rallying cry that all of us can get behind. It's weird that we have to get behind it, but he said it. He set the tone. You wrote about why millennials want socialism. Why? Why do they want
8: it? I know it seems completely impossible because they're the ones who are young and have futures ahead of them, Mm -hmm. and why should they vote for something or want something which says, give me your money by force, and we'll give it to who we think are politically the best groups to give it to. Uh, that's partly because they don't understand it well, and one of the reasons they don't understand it well is because the textbooks do not present socialism or government intervention in the proper light of being a draining force, often on the American economy.
3: So how do we fight that? Because I, it just seems so antithetical to me that it, the generation of people who spark, th- these are people who only know Airbnb, um, you know Starbucks, which is or it Uber. should be, yeah Uber. These are people who only know lift. These are people who literally everything in their life is customized down to the last degree, from their t-shirts to their leggings. Everything's custom. You don't get customization or specialization in socialist countries. You don't even get like more than one option for spaghetti sauce. If you're even getting spaghetti sauce, we have like, I I don't know if you've seen the studies about how many spaghetti sauces there are. And most grocery stores carry 140 different types of spaghetti sauce. That's a capitalist country. It is. It's ridiculous. It's so much choice that most people pick a spaghetti sauce. And if they like the taste of it, they just buy that same one over and over again, because we humans actually don't love that much choice. But we're in America, so we're going to get it anyway, whether we like it or not. How do we pass that message on to these these young people. They love their specialization.
8: Yeah, part of it is that the textbooks present the view that socialism is wonderful. You know, people who don't have something will give it to them. Well, you'll, get, you'll give it to them by force. And the groups who are doing the giving will take it to and deliver it to the most ex- politically expedient groups. Listen, if capitalism is presented in the proper light, they will see that that is where the redistribution comes in, in a very positive way. John D. Rockefeller, Christian, uh, first billionaire in U.S. history. He decided, hey, not only, I want to give half my money to charity. He gave half a billion, nobody had even owned half a billion dollars before in U.S. history and he gave that to charity. He gave, for example, Booker T. Washington at Tuskegee Institute. Then mm-hmm. he thought, wait a minute, women, black women don't have a college, mm-hmm. so he founded a college after his wife, Laura Spellman. No.
3: <laughs> see, people don't know that. They, so what they think is every every white person's a racist, but the black HBCUs were all founded by philanthropically minded white Americans who wanted to see educational choices for blacks beyond K-12 through education. You never see that in a textbook.
8: Of course. Never see. Uh, the, the Rockefeller said, hey, he was greedy. They don't tell you that he gave a lot of money away. Well, they
3: talk about him being a robber baron, but he really is the, he's behind the founding of so many institutions that we now see as just, it's just something that's there, but he started it.
8: The word robber baron was done by a communist that was, uh, the book called The Robber Barons, an American, Matthew Josephson. He was in Russia promoting Stalin at the time the book came out. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, even though I'm not saying these textbook writers are mostly communists, but they have adopted the terminology and the viewpoint. That was developed by socialists and communists. If you're going to do that, then naturally that is going to infect some of the students who do the reading. Millennials have been re- have been reading that sort mm-hmm. of information; have they been misinformed?
3: Yeah, they have. And I, I'm really of the mindset that some of them need a field trip to Cuba or <laughs> you know Venezuela. We can't force them to do that, so we have to bring the information to them. But then we run up against this brick wall of. You know, there's only one perspective portrayed on so much of our media. Yes. And it's disgusting because it's not that we want to convince people that they have to believe what we believe. We just want a dissemination of ideas and the truth. Yes. Let people make up their own minds. But I guess if you can't win that way, then you have to do it the way they're doing it, which is blocking information, et cetera. Because they're doing a great job. Most millennials don't actually understand what you and I have discovered here.
8: One thing I'm trying to do with this website, uh, www.trueamericanhistory.us, is we have the most popular textbook on that website, and it's criticized. We have where the distortions, the factual errors, and all of that are. So students who have that book foisted on them have a place to go where they can say, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. here's the other side. We're hoping that that will get out and will help students who are assigned that book deal with it. OK, and which book is it? It's called The American Pageant. Uh, David it's- Kennedy, professor at, at uh, Stanford, and Liz Cohen, uh, uh, Cohen, a professor at Harvard, wrote are, are the official authors, and it's And
3: dreadful. that's a book that's read all over at colleges and universities? A-
8: and high schools. AP high schools it is the most common AP high school text, as well as being used in many college campuses. Right,
3: and what's that website again?
8: Uh, WWW True American Okay.
3: We're going to have to get uh, get that website up and put it on the Facebook page so we can share that information. Thank you, and I, As I promised before, we will be reaching out to you again. We'll have a longer time to discuss this issue and many other things. I, I really so enjoy the work that Hillsdale College is doing. And now we've met and we can, we can talk more, have have more great conversations on radio. It's great to meet you, Stacey. Thank you for Thank coming you. on today. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this because... I, when I look at how many people have kind of streamed by, and I've gotten a chance to kind of, you know, hey, come over here, and you are coming and sitting with me now, I'm, I, CPAC was worth it this year. I'm so, so worth I'm it glad for me came. to come in. Me too. I had I missed parent-teacher conferences for the first time. Well, you miss your students. And you miss your mom. children. I did, but I usually when I go on a trip, if there's anything I've not missed, it's parent-teacher conference, and so for me to miss it this year. It's kind of crazy, but I still think it was worth it. My husband went. He saw eight teachers. He did pretty good. Yeah, he he debriefed me last night. I was like, I can't believe I missed it. So um, really great to meet with you. And we'll talk again. And I want to make sure people know where they can find you. Uh, Besides trueamericanhistory.us, um, and you're also a fellow at Hillsdale, so you're teaching yes. there, right?
8: Uh, I'm a distinguished fellow. I'm, I'm helping with fundraising. I taught there for 14 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of students had you for their teachers. Yes, I've run into many of them here at CPAC. Oh, across.
3: that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Well, fantastic. So we're getting close to the end of the first hour. If you're leaving us now, I want to say God bless and have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. If you're sticking around, we will have One News Now news and information up next. I want to give you a small bit of audio that we had from um, Glenn Beck. He was a speaker this morning. He said, if socialism were a movie, it would be Friday the 13th. It's number two. Take a listen.
2: If socialism were a movie, socialism would be Friday the 13th. Because it seems to always stalk college co-eds who all think that the death and violence is just a scary story that never happened, and they are so convinced that it will never happen to them, that they mock the old person who, the one person in town who saw it firsthand. They call him crazy, a nut who still believes in ghost stories. And then they're all dead. And then Jason, his body disappears. And only the old guy who saw it coming saw that the body is gone. And we have sequel after sequel. It happens time and again in movie theater after movie theater and country after country. Make no mistake. Stop trying to hook up in some cabin in the woods and prepare because Jason is coming. He's right behind you and this time he's coming with a hammer and a sickle.
3: Are you doing Um, so, If you probably hear me talking, I'm actually talking. Oh, I'm, so I'm possibly lining up another interview for just right here, right now. Um, um, we're also going to have Star Parker. So let me tell you guys a little bit about who else we're going to have. Uh, Star Parker is going to come back during hour two. We'll also have um, Sam Sorbo's son, who is doing a lot of work right now, um, and, and a few other people. Um, And so if you if you're wondering how the day actually has gone today, there was a big, huge um, security thing that we had going on because the president, the vice president was here. Now, President Trump will be here tomorrow, but the vice president was here today and he spent time talking um, about, you know, the the people facing a choice in 2020. We're actually 20 months out from the election um, of the president again hopefully his re-election so we're paying attention to that but right now as i said before we're going to be closing out this segment and coming back so god bless and keep it here